0: Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You are tuned to the Nighttime podcast, focused on the fringe of Canada. Hello, listeners. Tonight we're going to catch up on a story I first shared with you in a May 2022 episode. In that episode, titled Child Sex Trafficking, Survival, and Justice," we met with Jane Doe, a Nova Scotian woman who shared the story of her multi-year odyssey of child sex trafficking and sexual abuse. The timing of our meeting with Jane was quite special as she was not only sharing her story publicly for the first time, but she had also just begun the process of seeking justice against the man who had begun abusing and trafficking her when she was only 14 years old. Well, as you probably expected, there have been some interesting developments since that episode was released, and Jane offered to rejoin me and get us all up to date on her still unfolding search for justice. If you missed Jane's first appearance on Nighttime, I've added a link in the episode description to help you get caught up. But for everyone else, let's get back into it. Tonight in this episode of Nighttime, I'll again be joined by Jane Doe to continue our discussion surrounding child sex trafficking, survival, and justice. I thought where we start just right off the bat. Uh, I want to ask about I I know coming forward with your story and sharing it in that detail, I believe it was the first time he did it. But what I want to hear about is how does it feel now? Like having, you know, a couple months passed with coming out with your story, give me, give me your, your thoughts on sharing it in the way you did.
1: Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's definitely been an experience, um, in kind of a weight lifted off my shoulders kind of thing Mm -hmm. where I don't feel like I'm kind of keeping this a secret anymore, but, um, in the same time, it's been a little exhausting, hmm. you know, feeling
0: like I've been having to comfort everybody that I've come out to. Uh, I got you. Yeah. Good. But, but I know like, I, I can't relate to it cause I've never had something kept in for a long period of time and eventually revealing it, but for you, it's been for the most part, and we talked about this the last time you're on the show is you heard, even like some of your close friends and co workers and such, like they had no idea you kind of lived this life in your past. So you, you were on my show and you told your story using, you know, your disguise voice and in the alias. But aside from coming out on my show, did you come out to more people in your life as well? Like since since you appeared?
1: Yeah. And I actually use, uh, coming on the show as the way to kind of put it out there to say, okay, so, you know, I went through this and this is, you know, what I'm going through now, like dealing with the court case and, you know, like the warrant coming out. And, um, but if you want to hear about it, like here's a link. <laughs> uh,
0: that's a kind of a smart way to do it. Cause that you, you, I remember as well, you talked about this, the, you know, you uh, discomforting kind of um, comforting people who are traumatized by your story this is a way for you to kind of step away from that you can be like here's the link listen to it and hear my story and you you don't have to cry on my shoulder as you hear my you know troubled story so that's essentially and i
1: don't know if that makes me sound selfish or not but uh you know the only person i haven't told so far yet is my dad like my biological dad so You know, he's going to be in the city in a couple of weeks. So I got plans to tell him, you know, kind of then. But, you know, everyone else on uh, his side of the family, because that's all I really talk to, okay. like family wise. Um, so it's kind of all I got. But uh, they, the rest of them know, except him and feel a little bad. He's going to be the last one, but mm. I got to tell him to his face. I can't do it over Facebook like I kind of cowardly did with mm. everyone
0: else. <laughs> and when people hear your story and all that you've been through, what what have kind of the reactions been? I'm sure people are surprised that you've you know, kept this in and lived this life for so long. What have you heard from people?
1: Um, Just the, kind of a lot of the stuff I was expecting to hear, like well, you know, that makes a lot of sense now or you know well yeah that makes you know like well basically it just makes a lot of sense you know because mm-hmm. i mean i had already gone through like some other stuff you know and you know when i was dealing with addictions you know it was everyone asking me well why am i an addict and i didn't you know tell everyone why but now it kind of makes sense to them in that hindsight sort mm-hmm. of view
0: which is kind of interesting because that it, it talks a little bit or maybe gives a, a different view on Why it's important to be empathetic to people that you see struggling. Um, Because everybody, and you've heard this before, is that everybody who's struggling, there's something that's causing them to struggle, or there's some story that they have that, you know, they're not wearing a shirt that says, like, I survived, you know, blank, and that's why I'm like this. But when you see somebody, Going through something, you know, there's there's much more to it than the average person thinks. And I guess there are there are likely people who saw you in some of your darker times thinking, you know, what's up with Jane? They hear that that episode and they're like, oh, like Jane was going through it, some serious stuff. Yeah, uh, that, that that's interesting. Um, any other kind of reactions you want to share, like or any kind of things people said to you after hearing it that surprised you or caught you off guard
1: no um just a lot of supportive messages just so kind of like um you know we're here for you and we love you and you know just kind of keep us in the loop and mm-hmm. but i mean other than that um you know i had a, like one of my cousins just messaged me and we kind of talked about some stuff she had some questions and just kind of wanted to lo- know a little bit more but mm-hmm. wanted it to be a little bit more private so mm-hmm. you know and i appreciated that so I mean, I get everyone's going to have questions and, you know, I want to try to be sensitive to that, too, because I sort of kind of feel like, you know, because I've kept it a secret, everybody's got a little bit of a right to know mm-hmm. at yeah. this point.
0: So, yeah, I can get that. Uh, do, do you think like people, like, family, close friends, knowing your story, do you think that'll change any kind of relationships you have with these people or, or, or change how people view you? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Because certainly it's going to be, you're pulling a bit of uh, the covers off of a, a significant part of your life and your story.
1: Uh, well, if anything, I've um, kind of noticed, at least with like one of my uh, like uh, relationships, I guess, that, uh, you know, that's sort of changing in a way that I never really expected to. So um, as I had mentioned to you, you know, prior, so I have an ex-wife. Um, so she's somebody I had to reach out to, um, you know, because of the case and stuff, cause we were together at that time. And, um, so she's willing to testify and, you know, be there for me. And that's been really nice. So, mm-hmm. you know, having to reach out to her, it's, you know, we hadn't talked for a few years and we left things pretty sour last time I talked to her. So, you know, reaching out, it was, you know, kind of nice that she just very quickly answered the phone and kind of like it was nothing and was incredibly supportive and, you know so oh, that's, that's been really nice
0: that that's good it's never good to have to reach out to an ex and especially when it's like you know reaching out to an ex and asking them if they'll get involved in a criminal case but i guess your circumstances are quite a bit different than the way i'm picturing doing something like that
1: well it's a little bit of like a healing thing you know you get a chance to kind of sit down and you know really kind of talk things through and you know i mean that's always nice to have and uh, you know, communication is important. So if okay. you're able to mend broken, you know, fences, it's
0: good to do so, mm-hmm. you know, not for the other person, it's just for you. Um, speaking of mending broken fences and also opening kind of old wounds, something else that uh, we talked about when we last spoke is, uh, and this one's a bit more complicated is some of the other uh, children who are being abused and trafficked alongside you, you had told a story about how one of them, one of them specifically tried to um, have your trafficker and abuser charged um, with it. And I believe they reached out to you and some of the others who were being trafficked, asking for you to get involved and testify against him. And at the time, for the reasons you explained in the prior episodes, you declined to do that. And I believe the charges against him were, were eventually dropped um you felt some remorse and guilt for not helping her you know years ago back then i i understand there's been some updates with that side of the story what what has happened yeah so you know we've, we've kept a little bit in contact
1: um you know it's been you know kind of nice to be able to talk to her again and just see you know just how great her life is now, you know, and just how well that she's doing for herself and just how happy she is, you know, and like, she really deserves it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, she doesn't harbor any kind of like, you know, hard feelings or anything. So that's been just kind of nice. So I can let that guilt go, Mm -hmm. you know, so she's not going to be involved in the trial as far as I know, because it's just what she's told me. But, you know, she did say that she'd speak to the, the, like the officer involved and, okay. I don't know if they have or not, because I told her, you know, I'd just kind of back away at this point and just give her some space because
0: it's been a lot, you know, like we talked pretty heavily for a few days. so Good. And if I recall correctly, when we last spoke, it had been a long period of time since you had spoke to her. How did you reconnect? Just Basically, sent her
1: a message on Facebook. It kind of took me a little while to find her um, because I really just, for the life of me, could not remember her last name. It just blanked me one day and then it just came to me and I remembered and I sent her a message and just said, hey, listen, um, what if I were to tell you that I was going to have him charged? And if I was, you know, like, would you maybe help me and even just give a statement or something? And she had told me, you know, I don't, you know, just no way, you know, there's just, there's no way that that's happening, like, there's no way they're going to have them charged again. And, mm-hmm. you know, I told her, well, they are like, this is real life. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you can help me, like, I'd appreciate it. And if you don't, and, or just aren't comfortable with that, I totally understand. And I would never hold it against you. And
0: just, you know, thanks for not, I suppose, hating me for all these years. Mm-hmm. Like even just like them responding to you um, in a friendly way was probably a bit of a a healing kind of thing. But um, I realize now, like talking to you present day, I realize the extent of what what she went through because I gathered some of the court documents to get a, a sense of um, what the allegations against him were back then and what evidence was presented against him. And it really painted the picture of um, – her word against his word in a courtroom. So it's uh, I can imagine it was a very hard time for her um, as well and a hard time for all of you. But I guess it's um, I can only assume that the other children that were trafficked and abused by him are rooting for you again, as a collection of women now, rather than a collection of, you know, young girls, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, let's get an update on the case. So, again just to recap when we when we spoke last time where it was at was the early stages. you if i remember correctly you, you you called like a a number to report child sex trafficking i believe and and a case had been opened but you weren't really sure exactly how far it had gone but it was looking like they were taking it very seriously what's happening now where where are you at with with this cuz i understand it's you know things are really starting to heat up
1: Yeah, so I guess to kind of recap it, um, I had made my statement, um, they had taken a statement from a friend of mine, um, and from there, they had kind of done up like a list of charges, you know, that they had planned to charge him with, Mm -hmm. um, told me that it would take a couple of months to get the warrant issued, um, because he's in a different province right now, so there's kind of multiple agencies involved. So, you know, it was just going to take a couple of months, but, uh, they told me it would be probably around July. So here we are in July. So basically warrant month. Um, I don't know when it's going to come out. They're not going to tell me right for obvious reasons. And I'm sure whatever policy that falls under, but, um, I'll kind of know after it happens or kind of as it's happening, They do have a few more people that I know that they had to speak to. Now, I haven't gotten, I suppose, too many updates on, like, who and when, you know, that they've spoken to people. Um, I know that um, another agency had to, you know, speak to my ex-wife because she's also in a different province. Mm -hmm. Um, They were going to speak to one of the victims in this province and then uh, another victim in a different province because she's now relocated. Okay. And she may be willing to testify. I don't know. Um, I haven't been able to reach out to her because I
0: do believe we have each other blocked on Facebook still after all this time. And Yeah. All right. So anyway, so there's at this point in the investigation, different agencies are all cooperating to interview the different people in different provinces with an interest in this. You're expecting that July that we're, we're when we're talking now that at some point during this month, it's likely there's going to be a warrant issued for your trafficker with it coming up on you like this, how's it feeling? Like, do you feel like things are about to go down and you're, you know, you're about to see hopefully justice? Um, well, I mean, uh, kind of like we had spoke prior,
1: you know, even just with like little bits, um, like even just today, uh, you know, like at work kind of feeling, you know, a little bit, like I have, you know, pieces that he's taking from me even still to this day, you know, that, um, You know, and he hasn't even been arrested yet. Mm -hmm. So I'm just kind of living in those extra, I guess, little anxiety moments, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, Just a little extra anxious at everything, maybe a little extra sensitive, just because I know it's coming and then Mm -hmm. it's going to get really quick and really real, really fast. And had a little bit of a regret moment today of even just going through with it all, just, you know, with, you know, kind of what had happened at work. So it was, you know, I just, I, I worked really hard you know, to get my life to where it's at and, you know, to kind of feel like he's interfering in that now. It just makes me angry, Mm -hmm.
0: really. So I guess that's just where I'm at with that. Um, And when you say um, a regret moment, do you you mean, like, was there at a, are there points here when you're thinking to yourself, like, why am I even bothering having this guy charged? Like, is that what you mean?
1: A little bit. But I mean, you know, even just, I was expecting that Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe just, you know, through my line of work, you know, um, like I kind of know how this process is and, you know, I've heard it, you know, like from clients and stuff, just how daunting and emotional, you know, like Mm this roller coaster is Mm -hmm. that, you know, they live with regret moments and moments where they just said like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I just kind of want to back out. And I just want my life back to where it was prior to doing this. Mm -hmm. Like I had my first moment of that today and, like did have to collect myself and say like that's not like that's what the heart feels but that's not what the you know the logic mind is you know
0: saying mm, i get you yeah because it like i, I guess that's some like in the moment like in an individual moment maybe it's easier just to kind of put the demon in the closet and shut the door but that just gets you through that moment overall you need to you know get it out and slay the thing and and, you know that's a bit more of a journey it's it's a shame that it's such an uphill journey for like when i think of your situation you were a child who was abused and trafficked now years later after dealing with it all these years you have to go through all this work in this huge uphill battle to actually have something happen and then it's and it's like and it's not going to be easy because likely you're going to be in court testifying if it's a high profile thing you're going to have maybe even have your name or something in the paper or a photo or something like there's a a lot that is put on the line to actually do it so it's not as simple as just making a call to the police and reporting this person for it like you kind of gotta go to battle for a considerable amount of time i assume
1: well yeah but i mean it's gonna be worth it in the end Mm because and that's like all i have to kind of just keep reminding myself Mm because even if he was to get away with it a second time you know, like I took him to court, you know, and, and I pointed him out to the world, you know, and said, this is what he's done to me. Whether, you know, I suppose a judge or a jury decides if they believe me or they side with me on that is kind of a different story. And that doesn't overly, really matter to me. Mm-hmm. It's being able to look him in the eyes in court, you know, as he sits there in handcuffs mm-hmm. and, you know, when I say to him, this is what you've done to me and this is how it's not okay. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's going to be what's worth it. You know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I, and even in the moments where I even today had said, you know, to myself, I kind of regret this. I also on my really good days, you know, where were you would mention my name potentially being in the paper, it won't be um, just because there is uh, going to be an active publication ban. Like that was something that I requested when I gave
0: my statement. And is that, like, is that something you can just request, or is that because you were a child at the time of the offense, or do you know? No,
1: um, it is something that I can request. Now, if I was still currently a minor, like, that's just an automatic thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but where I'm an adult now, if I wanted my name in the paper, I could just tell, you know, it's the prosecutor, I guess, that makes that kind of call. Okay. I do believe, like, I don't want to, like, kind of quote myself there, because I'm not a lawyer, but oh, okay. I believe it's the prosecutor, but... Yeah. um. I kind of flip flop there sometimes. And I'm like, you know what, now that more people know, I kind of want to say like, what's the point of having a publication ban when I want the world to know.
0: Hmm. Yeah. But but... then,
1: you know, I have bad days where I want to crawl into a hole and like say, no, I don't want anyone to know like, this is too much.
0: Yeah. I can. Well, I can only imagine how that would feel. And to have like your, your, your personal identity connected to something like this, it's, um, it's a double-edged sword because for one it's like you're doing something courageous and you're standing up for yourself and others like you but also if you are publicly coming forward you're also opening yourself up to like i'm always going to have to be talking about some of my darkest moments and people are going to know me for you know kind of the worst experiences that i've gone through so it's there's a lot that would come to come along with uh being a public person who or, or coming public with, you know, the crimes against you, I suppose. What I want to get into next, when when we did our original interview a few months back, um, I heard from a lot of listeners who, like myself, were shocked and appalled, um, but also fascinated to hear someone who had, been through what you'd been through speaking so casually about it and a lot of people had given me feedback on different things that you said or asking for more information on different parts of of your story so there, there's a couple things that I want to kind of a couple boxes I want to tick off that listeners had wanted to hear you comment on uh one is and I think we may have just briefly gotten into this in our prior episode is they asked like since you were at the time you were being abused and trafficked it was in HRM, like the Halifax Regional Municipality, and in Nova Scotia, where you still are now, um, and it's not that big of a place. So we're assuming that you run into, on occasion, people who had abused and trafficked you. Is there any experiences that you can share where, I don't know, just as an example, you're at the mall and you know, at the table next to you, you see Buddy with his wife, who, and you recognize him as someone who had abused you. I, do you have any examples of running into someone that you knew from this?
1: Uh, only one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was actually about four years ago when I started working at the job I'm at now when I was still on a student placement. Ooh, okay. um, I was with uh, another staff member who, you know, has since retired, mm-hmm. but um, we were just together at the grocery store, just getting things for like a work party. I don't remember what it was I think. It might even have just been someone's birthday, but uh, we were picking up just stuff at the grocery store and, Um, he came out to us and, you know, had called me by, you know, like the name that I had used at that time and just kept saying, Oh, Hey, like, do you remember me? And like, and I just kept brushing him off. I'm like, buddy, I don't know you. You know, I just like very clearly telling him, like, I don't know you, like, please leave me alone and had to try to keep my composure together. And it was actually the staff member I was with who told him and actually said like, clearly dude, she doesn't know you. He doesn't want to talk to you. Like step away. Just back off so it, we kind of checked out and went out to her car and as we were leaving i couldn't even kind of keep it in anymore just started bawling in her car and she asked me like basically what was going on and kind of assumed you know she knows because like that's not my name you know like the name that he had called me by and and then i told her and had you know kind of just briefly explained it to her and i just asked her i said please don't tell anybody because no one else knows and And I told her, I was like, to be honest, when we get back to the office, I'm just, I'm just going to go to lunch and just tell everyone I went to lunch and I'll be back and I'll kind of have
0: my stuff together. Oh my goodness. So this, this person, so this person wasn't ashamed of themselves obviously to like approach you publicly. And just for, for people who don't, Get the name thing when you were being trafficked it wasn't your you would the people who were paying your trafficker to be with you they didn't know your real name they your trafficker or whoever would have assigned you like a fake name that you're using so this person yeah. in a grocery store approaches you using that fake name from when you were being trafficked you're with a co-worker so oh man so i'm imagining you're like i want to get the hell out of here but i'm with my co-worker so i you know i got to I'm literally still
1: feeling that kind of feeling like just as I had said that where I just kind of want to just run away and just crawl out of my own skin because I just, it hasn't happened since and it was only just that one time. But I always think in the back of my head, like, you know, yeah, if I'm just at the mall or just driving or just out out and about and just some random man like who I don't know or recognize just stares at me or just looks at me in a different way, I wonder like, you know, like, were you one of those guys? Like, do you recognize me? Because my looks have never changed. Like, mm-hmm. I even look at, like, old baby pictures and, like, young pictures of when I was, like, five and six, and I still have the exact same face. So, I mean, I've, my looks have never changed, but I don't, wow. you know, recognize a lot of people, so. Mm-hmm.
0: that That is a horror story. I can j- just vaguely imagine the panicked feel that you likely went through. And then also that would have put you in a position where you had no choice, really, but to tell your coworker something, you're not at all prepared to reveal to her because the other option would just be like, it, well, actually you have no other option because your coworker obviously knew something was going on. So you had to say something and
1: yeah. And that coworker, uh, you know, she had been at our organization for over 20 years, you know, like, so she had seen some stuff. So okay. I mean, like she already just instantly knew, mm-hmm. like, I didn't have to say anything she just knew, but I just, it was like
0: kind of word vomit. And... Yeah. And i wanted to vomit (laughs) i bet yeah that's brutal um you know another thing i don't know what you can say about this or how comfortable you are talking about this but what somebody had uh wrote to me and asked me about and and curious if i and was curious if i had spoke to you about this so i did an episode in years ago where i spoke to an adult sex worker who's doing it willingly and takes the necessary precautions to protect herself and all this stuff. Um, when she was on the show, we talked a lot about how she protects herself uh, and her health uh, when she's, you know, having sex with people uh, in, in the course of her sex work. Um, the person who had wrote to me asked me, um, "In your case, where you would have been a, a child being trafficked, so." being a child, you would likely would have been a little ignorant to it. But also since you were being trafficked and abused, it's not like you were in a position where you were calling the shots on how things were happening. Um, When this is when something like what happened to you happened, um, or when this happened to you, did you have any say in, you know, what people I just don't want to get graphic. Did, Did you have much of a say in people requiring to or requiring people to use protection and then the other kind of flip side of that is have you had health complications as a ro- as a result of this part of your life and is there anything about that you can talk about
1: um that was one thing that like my trafficker was pretty adamant about um like was protection um and that uh, pretty much like if if the guy didn't want to wear protection that I was to leave like okay. so I didn't um like i was fortunate in that way to not contract an std or anything that would ultimately ruin my life mm-hmm. um you know i didn't get pregnant um you know so and i actually just on a different kind of like health note that was unrelated like i actually struggled with infertility for a really long time so i don't i never would have got pregnant
0: anyways oh but, wow yeah. okay and do you think um this him require your trafficker requiring the protection do you think that was protect you or was it to protect the investment that maybe oh no it's the
1: investment for sure um because especially it wasn't even so much about getting an std because he said you know penicillin cures everything but yeah it's really gross i know and i roll my eyes as i say it but um you know pregnancy will take you out for nine plus months so and not just being pregnant you know then you have your baby and then you know he says you're fat and
0: yeah a lot of really degrading stuff so Wow. Okay. Yeah, I guess I, c- I can see it from both sides. But at least I'm glad to hear that it wasn't. Um, I think the person who wrote me that message um, likely saw it as um, you having like long term kind of health effects from it. But given, you know, your experiences, um, or given his protecting of you in that way, be it for the wrong reasons. I guess that's one fortunate side of this.
1: Yeah, well and I actually it's been a common question. Um, like really, uh, mostly from like my family and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just a basic kind of general question that everyone gets curious about, like, how did I never, you know, contract, you know, an S T D? How did I never get pregnant? You know, how did I never yeah, you know, have anything horrible like that kind of happen to me health wise and mm-hmm.
0: I don't but know. I should like just
1: uh, say maybe I lucked out.
0: But. Yeah, and I'm sure not all um, trafficked people are as fortunate. Yeah. Um, you now there's there's a few other things that I have. So I'm, I'm kind of this is like rapid fire. Yeah. I'm going from topic to topic. But one thing that w- when I think of and I've told you about this before is sex trafficking and child sex trafficking comes up on my show a lot when I'm covering missing persons cases where it often seems like that is 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 a theory and something that needs to be ruled out. If a young girl goes missing, who are they talking to on online? you know is there someone who maybe scooped them up and is taken them away for to sex traffic them? There was just a situation, I don't know if you followed this case. it was a young woman, I think 14 years old in british columbia she was last seen and this is just a week or two ago she was last seen getting on her bus school bus she gets dropped off at school but she didn't go into class no one knew where she went so she was reported missing there was a large campaign to find her and generate leads there was billboards rewards her family was on the news it was out of character for her to disappear so they knew something was going on and after about a week or so i think people were starting to fear the worst the worst, but then there was a surprise break in the case where this 14 year old girl was found somewhere in the United States with like a 40 or 50 year old man who ended up being charged with child luring. Uh, details of the case have yet to come out as far as how he connected with her and convinced her to go down there. But when when you see a story like like that in the news or when you see a, you know, a missing girl, or, or I guess missing boy for that matter, in the news it, with your background of the things you've, you've been through, you must see it in a different way. Like how do you react when you see these kinds of stories play out?
1: It's just heartbreaking mm. really. And what's more heartbreaking is just kind of the comments that people leave online, not mm. even really, I mean like, cause the stories themselves are, you know, like horrific and you know, like they're traumatizing, you know, really to like read and you know, know that somebody else is now going to live with that pain you know, Mm -hmm. for the rest of their lives and kind of replay that, Mm -hmm. but it's really the comments because, you know, that's what people don't seem to understand is, you know, victims see that stuff, you Mm -hmm. know, like they do see, they may not comment, but they see that, you know, you call them, uh, you know, a frequent runaway or that you call them a drug addict, or you said, Oh, I bet you went willingly, you know, with Mm -hmm. that 40 or 50 year old man. And, or you know the what did you expect talking to a 40 50 year old man they Mm -hmm. don't help and you know and it's comments like that that make victims never want to come forward or them never want to say anything especially when it kind of leaks to the media and they put their own spin on it
0: yeah exactly but i guess it just kind of speaks to be empathetic to people who are living with something that you don't know the full story or the full picture and said earlier uh, when I asked about the the health thing that that was one of the common questions you get for people who've learned about your background or people who you encounter as a result of, of your history being um, sex trafficked what would be what do you see as some other common questions like what are people coming to you with or, or wanting to hear more information on
1: um, I get a lot of questions of where were my parents Mm -hmm. And then it was, you know, well, when I tell people that I was, you know, partially in care, but partially living with my mom and, you know, or living in group homes, it was, well, where were the social workers or why didn't you just say anything? Like, that's probably the number one question is, well, why didn't you just go to police? Mm -hmm. Why didn't you just tell a teacher? Why didn't you just tell an adult? Mm -hmm. I could tell them, but, you know, I'm afraid, you
0: know, like of everything that, you know, this guy has told me. Mm -hmm. yeah and he had you for the as you described last time he had you convinced that he could do harm he could also do harm to you physically or harm to people that you know and love and then on top of that in your situation it was you were reliant reliant on him for drugs and security it sounds like um and and the idea of uh, like someone asking you know where your where your parents or the social workers for one that seems like a very um Fortunate position that they can't imagine you in a you as a as a child without having someone all over you supervising you. But I imagine when you're in care the way you were with a mother who is a, a drug addict or alcoholic, um, mm-hmm. you had it was like the wild west for the most part. You could get into as much trouble as you wanted to. I'm sure when you have a social worker looking after you, they're not holding your hand walking around the mall with you all the time. I don't. I wouldn't think.
1: No. The- honestly lucky to ever really see your social worker outside of court, let alone really hear from them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like they just kind of drop you off at the doorstep and say like, good luck and here's your stuff and mm-hmm. call me if you need anything, but I'm most likely never going to call you back. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I really wouldn't have made a difference in my opinion, like just at that time. But I mean, who really knows, you know, I mean, even when I try to look back in hindsight as an adult and think, well, I could have done this, but it probably would have led to this outcome. And yeah, that wouldn't have looked so good. So it just seems like any road I
0: hypothetically think of, it really led to nowheres with light mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. And then I also, and just in hearing you say that, I'm thinking of what you talked about earlier, about having like kind of a moment of regret or thinking like, you know, about maybe backing out of pressing charges or something like that. As an adult, you can have that moment of of regret and questioning your decision, but then you know your logic and reasoning takes over, and you think it through, and you're like, "No, I'm doing the right thing. I'm going to proceed." But when you're a 14, 15 year old, maybe there was a moment where you're like, "Maybe I should, you know, uh, maybe I should go to the cops." But it's not like you're you're intelligent enough and and kind of have the wisdom as a 14 or 15 year old where you can really think it through and make the right decision. You're probably scared and intimidated. And even as an adult, going to a police station is a very uncomfortable kind of daunting thing as a 14 or 15 year old. You'd be terrified to do that. That's uh, I think that's a, like I said, it's a, a very fortunate position that there are a lot of people that couldn't imagine, you know, you feeling as uh, alone and vulnerable as you did at that time. Yep. Um. You now, In thinking of your experiences in all that you've been through, what like what would need to change in society? Like what simple thing could be changed to help prevent things like this? Like what happened to you? What would help prevent it from happening to other kids? Like, is there something that could that you see that like, you know, that could shut this down pretty quick?
1: Um, maybe a little bit too much to count. You know, I mean, I feel like there's... It's part of that, you know, it takes a village to raise a child, Mm -hmm. you know? So, I mean, I feel like, you know, people in the school setting, you know, like they can step up a little bit more, you know? Why is the student tardy all the time? Just why are they never here? And when they are here, why are they just not focused or seem strung out or, you know, I just... There wasn't any kind of outreach from the school, you know? There's no follow-up from the social workers you know so there's no nothing from the department of community services you know there's mm. no support there um just there's no one checking in mm. you yeah. know to say that this is weird and what's going on there was nobody asking this is weird what's mm. going on and, and why really needs
0: to be more of that yeah and while you were kind of in like the throes of it we're were you in school were you attending school at all like when it was kind of at its worst Worst? uh
1: a little sporadically Mm -hmm. um like i I know that one of my teachers flat out asked me um like so i would have been in grade 10 um if i was uh going to the bathroom to use drugs because i I don't know what i can really say (laughs) okay but um like going into the bathroom every 15, 10, 15 minutes saying I got to go to the bathroom and coming back and, you know, looking a lot more awake than what I was, I suppose, <laughs> a lack of better words. And, and w- asked me flat out and I told her no. But I you? right through my teeth to her face and she believed me. I don't know why.
0: Mm. Well, I, I wonder if like a random teacher, I wonder if they would even understand drugs and stuff enough to be able to yeah. t- anything beyond taking your so you were doing what were you doing in the bathroom cocaine in grade 10 wow yeah because you you would have been an addict then right
1: yeah and meeting up with the f- friend who actually gave her statement um so you know cause she was around for literally all of it so you know we went to the same school because she lived across the street from me so
0: Wow. We used to sneak out for cigarettes every so often. And I thought I was, you know, ruining my life. Um, oh no, we
1: smoked right in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: Well, but again, you're coming out the other end of it all. And it's, yeah. it's fascinating to hear your story, both to get the inside on, you know, the inside look at living with this, but also we're now talking to you at a point where you've turned your life around, you're, going after your trafficker and it's all going down. So again, I I can't thank you enough for letting us kind of watch this unfold because it's, it's something a lot of people would not get to see or would never know about. So I I appreciate you being so open with talking.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely surreal, but I mean, I don't know, like it's, it's nice to have, I guess. And it's, you know, so like, I really appreciate that. I mean, it, it is healing to be able to just openly, kind of talk about it and say, you know, this is what's happened. And, you know, I mean, a lot of people do, just don't understand, you know, because they've been fortunate enough to not know anybody, you know, who's been through this or not have gone through something like this themselves or, you know, and I kind of hope that, you know, maybe a different victim, you know, hears my story and faces, you know, their trafficker and So I just, that's just how it is. You know, it's the floodgates, you know, like somebody has to open it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'll open it. See what happens. Basically.
0: I want to thank you for joining Jane Doe and I for a discussion surrounding child sex trafficking, survival, and justice. Jane has offered to continue to keep us up to date as her story hopefully comes full circle, and hopefully ends in a conviction. But until then, we will continue to support her respectfully and optimistically. And with that, I'll wrap things up here, but before we part, I want to give some thanks. First, a big thanks to Jane Doe for sharing her story with me and with you, the listeners of Nighttime. A big shout-out to Monty Data for contributing the music for this episode. It's a piece called Noir Tokyo. And lastly, but most importantly, I have a massive thank you to everyone who listens to Nighttime, as without your interest and your support, Nighttime would be as pointless as it would be impossible. But with that said, keeping the show alive is and has always been an uphill battle. So if you want to help take a bit of weight off the show's back, please subscribe to the premium feed. Not only does the premium feed keep the show alive, It'll give you more of each topic than you'll find here on the free feed as I'm adding exclusive content regularly and maintain a full catalog of back episodes only on the premium feed. So for about the price of a cup of coffee, help the show out and get more of it at patreon.com nighttimepodcast nighttime podcast. And on the topic of the premium feed, let me thank the newest subscribers, Shelly, Cindy, and John. Thank you for your generous support. And for anyone else out there who'd like to support the show but can't do it with a premium feed subscription, you can give me a big hand by simply sharing this episode on social media and letting some like-minded friends know what we're doing here. If you have any story ideas, want to give feedback on the show, or contribute a voice memo to be shared in an upcoming episode, you can do all that and more at nighttimepodcast.com contact. I hope to hear from you. But until then, take care of each other, Hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte.